You see this, Joe? No. There. Okay, this is 2016, yeah. but whatever. It's probably still accurate today because 10 years prior, Zogby and others were taking polls and that was the status quo. Half of Americans believe in 9-11 conspiracy theories. How many 9-11 conspiracy theories are there? <laughs> A lot. A lot. There's really only one. The, the one being that you are suspicious of, about something. Yeah. The actual, the first paragraph in that <clears throat> says a majority of Americans believe the government is concealing information about the attacks. That's, right. a, that's over 50%. What, how much do they say? They don't say, but whatever. They're, they're they say a majority. So falling back from that, they got the half, I think, half is something like the question is, do you believe some elements of the government were involved in some way or had for, and or had foreknowledge? Yeah. So it falls back to half. But most will be dissatisfied to some extent that they would like to see further investigation. The specific claim is actually about the third skyscraper that fell into its footprint that right. day. I think the... World Trade Center 7, yeah. By 2010, something like 67, I think the figure is, over two-thirds, wish to see that investigated. Yeah. Or reinvestigated if they were not satisfied with whatever the official. I can't remember was it office fires brought that down. Yeah, well, it restore, restores a little bit of faith in, in in humanity, I suppose, when a majority of people looking at a building that clearly, you know, exhibits the the, the effects of a controlled demolition, uh, believe that that was a controlled demolition, and and disbelieve the allegation, like you just said, that it was. Um, caused by office, office fires yeah uh it would be would be in pretty bad shape if people uh you know were so you know manipulatable and so compliant and so ignorant that they would have no skepticism about the official story uh on on, on building seven uh, because it clearly clearly uh fell as a result of um controlled demolition uh, demolition and that really blows the whole thing wide open in a sense because obviously you can't prep a building on the same day for controlled demolition, no. right? So it's, it's weeks and months in advance. So that one, There's many factors like that about 9-11 that blow the whole thing open. The one simple fact blows it all open, like totally destroys the entire narrative. Because, of course, if the building was prepped weeks or months in advance for controlled demolition, then the whole thing was, who did that? Did, was Osama and his friends in uh, setting up the explosives in World yeah. Trade Center 7 in like uh, August or something? Uh, August 2001? They might have said, they might have come out with an explanation for that, but they didn't. That's no. what well, they was problematic. They yeah. did not no, go and say, okay, yeah. Office fires were burning. have been, yes. And weaken the fact, beams. Weaken the beams. And the whole thing just came down straight into its own footprint, free fall speed. Um, that's, but... And yeah, I think part really of the hard. problem is why... They couldn't simply back backdate a story to say yes, there were Al Qaeda types all over that building in the weeks prior because that oh. building housed well, many major super secure, right? A super secure building housed the FBI for New York. Yeah, I think the CIA office is there. Yeah, the SCO, the um, Financial Services mm -hmm. um, Authority for Wall Street Stock Exchange, mm -hmm. was there. Among other agencies. So, mm -hmm. like, it's a federal building. That's mm -hmm. the problem. <laughs> yeah. So they couldn't really lift the lid on that. Well, there's also a good reason why people, most Americans, and it should be all Americans, I suppose, like, I would say anybody with any sense, like, I'd say the vast majority of Americans, if they were given some 
small bits of information about the, the problems with the 9-11, official 9-11 story, all of them would have doubts about it because all of them, I mean, all of them in the sense of like leaving out the complete crazy people and stuff, just all half sensible Americans and everybody around the world looking at any of those details would have to have suspicions mm -hmm. and would have to conclude that the official story is not the actual real story. I mean, even the, if you go to that link I just sent you, Scotty, uh, Wikipedia one, one um, this is uh, the two chairs of the of the 9-11 commission that was, you know, set up to investigate the uh, investigate the whole of uh, the whole event and to see, you know, what happened, what was, you know, assign a draw conclusions and come up with a final conclusion as to what actually happened and what went on and just go down there and set up the field. Two chairs of the commission, Thomas Keane, who's actually the cousin of George W. Bush and Lee Hamilton, believe that the government established the commission in a way that ensured that it would fail. They wrote this in a book a few years later without precinct the inside story of the 9-11 commission describing their experiences serving. He gave a bunch of reasons, basically, you know, that it was very little money was given to it. A lot of people were against it, didn't want it to happen at all. And uh, there was a lot of stonewalling and pushback and against th them. Their actually. remit was constantly being limited. Yeah, the the goalpost of what the investigation was to look at was changed and right. changed throughout the process. Yeah, it was yeah. totally hamstrung, you know, from the very beginning. So why would that happen? You know, well, you have to, it gets very complicated at that point. Why would you stop anybody having a free and fair and open investigation into it? Like jo George Bush and Cheney and Rob Rumsfeld, 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 uh, all those neocons, well, those three anyway, Rumsfeld, Cheney and uh, Bush, all testified, not under oath, behind closed doors, uh, in secret, basically. Yeah. Uh, so their testimony of what, when they were questioned about it was secret, did not make it into any report. It's just the whole thing's a joke, like, you know, and I don't know how anybody can stand by it. But apart from World Trade Center 7, if you just play, Scotty, it's, there's a bit of voiceover on it and it's a few minutes long, the tower collapse video. This is not World Trade Center 7. It's one of the main, I think it's the second tower uh, collapsing. And just just listen to this. Just, just listen and watch more than anything else, but listen as well. The starting point in science is observation. What you are seeing here is what happened to the North Tower of the World Trade Center the second of three buildings to collapse on 9-11-2001. I use the word collapse, but words can be deceptive. What do you really see happening here? There's a tremendous amount of falling debris, but under the canopy of debris, do you see the rapid sequence of explosive ejections of material? Some of the jets have been clocked at over 100 miles per hour. I will call them explosions because it's hard to find other words that describe what we are seeing here. The explosions are not isolated and few. They are continuous and widespread. They move progressively down the faces of the building, keeping pace with the falling debris. Perhaps you can imagine a natural cause, but I can't. Notice that the explosions are occurring on multiple floors at once, over a wide zone, not in a floor-by-floor -floor sequence that might be explained by pancaking collapse. Notice there are explosions far below the point of collapse. Some are isolated and focused. These are often referred to as squibs and are commonly seen in controlled demolitions. However, this is not a standard controlled demolition. The building <laughs> is being progressively destroyed from the top down by waves of explosions, creating a huge debris field. The destruction is in waves, not just in one wave. Most obvious is a rapid sequence of explosions near the visible corner of the building. 
but simultaneously we can see another wave of explosions much further down the face of the building under the canopy of falling debris. Notice that both waves of explosions progress down the face of the building nearly keeping pace with the falling debris just a few feet away. Slabs of concrete did not fall to the ground and smash to dust. There is almost no concrete in the rubble pile. Notice that the concrete is being forcefully ejected outward from the sides of the building, already pulverized to dust. Notice that embedded in the dust clouds are huge girders and entire sections of steel framing that are being hurled out of the building. The horizontal speed of some of the girders has been clocked at over 70 miles per hour. Some of these girders impale themselves in the sides of neighboring buildings. Some landed as much as two football fields away from the base of the tower. What could hurl heavy girders with such force and give them such speed? Some people have suggested that the weight of the tower crushing down on the girders caused them to flex, and they sprung sideways by a spring action. But we are not seeing isolated jumping girders. We are seeing a major fraction of the mass of the building, steel, concrete, office furniture, and the remains of human beings, reduced to small pieces of rubble and fine dust, and being explosively ejected in all directions. Bone fragments are found on the roofs of adjacent buildings. The bones were not crushed in the falling mass, or they would have been trapped in the debris pile. They were pulverized along with everything else and blown out in all directions. The NIST investigators have claimed that the top section of the building above the plane impact point came down like a pile driver, crushing the undamaged lower section of the building all the way to the ground. The top section of the building is, however, noticeably absent. There is nothing above the ring of explosions except for a fountain of debris. Can you see a pile driver? It does not appear that the building is being crushed by anything. The waves of destruction and explosive ejections of material are occurring over a wide zone that continues all the way to the top of what remains of the building. The scientists at NIST did not model the collapse of the towers. Their analysis was gravely flawed in many ways, but the biggest flaw was that the scope of their investigation was artificially limited. They took their analysis only to the point of initiation of collapse, as though all that followed was inevitable and needed no explanation. The scope of their investigation was artificially limited to what might have happened or could have happened to begin the collapse. What they explicitly did not take into account is what actually happened. By limiting their investigation to the natural precursors of collapse, the plane damage and the fire, they ruled out from the start any possibility of discovering evidence of planned demolition. In other words, anything that occurred during the collapse itself, such as the evidence you are seeing here, was explicitly scripted out of the investigation. Any analytical model of the collapse, no matter how simple or how sophisticated, is a bad model and bad science if it does not come back full circle to explain the actual observations. What do you see? Well, I'll tell you what I see. I see a building just vaporizing from the top down. Yeah. Uh, just being turned like that's Dust. Judy Woods dustification or whatever but it's basically you see a building uh, being being pulverized uh, uh, of course the amount of explosives necessary to do that was crazy I mean maybe you could cover up you could have a lot of explosives in there and uh, that, that would happen but 
maybe it's covered up by the by the sound or whatever, but surely you would hear all the, that amount of explosives going off. It would be deafening, you know. So some claim they did. But yeah, but it's still some, some heard explosions at different times. That's a whole other aspect of explosions in oh. the basement and all that kind of stuff. There's multiple eyewitness testimony of, of of firefighters and police officers here and people in the building at the bottom before it came down, hearing ex- hearing explosions going off, loud explosions going off in the bottom. Who knows what that was? But there was obviously a, a very anomalous, highly strange. Uh, event. Uh, there's nothing ever been seen before in the history of building collapses or controlled or demolitions since. since or before or since then uh, of, of what happened to that building. And that's what, you know, I just I suppose it just leaves people bewildered and, and, and with, with no answer. But certainly you can conclude that the plane flying into that building and then as they tried to claim, you know, the top half kind of being severed almost. Imagine a tall building, the top half is somehow completely severed. Uh, you know, or, or, or become severed all together in a certain instant instance, and then the top thirty floors collapse down on the other eighty floors below. But it doesn't fall over; it stays boom, 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 boom. But as they showed in that video, that top piece that was like a pile driver, like a piece that's meant to crush everything below, uh, is not visible. It's not there. It's gone as well. It's it's uh, it's a cloud of it's, ash. It's already been dust du- dusted as well. Yeah. So there's a progressive vaporizing of the building all the way down. Um, I mean, there's lots of theories and ideas about how you could explain what that happened, but how that could have happened and what was what would cause that to happen. But uh, and those are you know they're beyond the scope of this of this little little chat. You can look them up yourself. But certainly something very anomalous happened there. And um, for me, that's more. I mean, World Trade Center Seven, obviously being controlled as a controlled demolition is, uh, is is good for the average person but for me that uh, just opens the whole thing up to to lots of other uh, well, lots of other things it know. opens them up to <clears throat> what is it's a misnomer but it's what it's abbreviated to is conspiracy theories in other words there's no the as the narrator there explained and as the 911 official investigators also explained the limits of what they could do were prescribed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, spe- and specifically here with those two towers, they were prescribed by saying, well, no, we're, we all saw the sequence of events, the two planes, the fires, and therefore that's your starting point. That's And anything yeah. beyond that is conspiracy yeah, theories. But the problem is if you prescribe it to that and everyone can see something, not everyone, including people with technical expertise, also see it. They're naturally going to go, well, the answer isn't satisfactory. I'm going to have to start to do research and to mm-hmm. theorize about what really happened to that mm-hmm. building, hence mm-hmm. the plurality of conspiracy mm-hmm. theories. Mm-hmm. But it's a misnomer, as I said, because really it only comes down to one, namely that I don't believe what the official theory is mm-hmm. as to how those things came down. Mm-hmm. There's more going on. My eyes have seen that footage ten thousand times. I'm not satisfied. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the, but the implications then, obviously, once you once you've made that step, I mean, people who have the motivation and the enthusiasm to to to, to start investigating this themselves, most people don't. They look at that and they they'll, they'll end with those are the people who people like people who just look at it and say, yeah, it's a bit weird, but and I'm going to drop it. I'm going to forget about it because I don't have the enthusiasm or the energy or the inclination to 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 come up with my own theories and go down the rabbit hole on it. Uh, those are the people who are, that are cited in that uh, um, poll that 50% believe in some kind of conspiracy theory around 9-11. They just go, yep, doesn't check out, so whatever, it didn't happen. But then they carry on with their lives. But right there's the problem. You can't carry on with your life. 
I mean, you have to engage in some kind of, uh, uh, you know, brainwashing, auto brainwashing in a certain sense to, to, to just put that behind you because the implications of you believing in a conspiracy around 9-11, i.e. the official story was not what happened and it was most likely, I mean, if you look if you, very quickly when you go into it, you have to assume that it was an inside job as, a, as the phrase, the popular phrase <laughs> or has become popular since then, 9-11 uh, was an inside job, implies that your government or some aspect of your government was involved in it. What does that then imply for you and your life as an American citizen? Uh, yeah. Those are scary questions and scary things to consider, which is why people just drop it, right? Uh, and people do obviously have to continue to live their lives. They can't spend their whole, all their time like digging down a rabbit hole into 9-11 and what are they going to do about it anyway, you know? Yeah. Or my government was, was responsible for 9-11. They're the ones who carried it out. Therefore, I'm going to what? Stand on a street corner with a placard saying 9-11 was an inside job for the rest of my life? Probably not. So you just have to suck it up, basically, and live with it. You can do that for a while, as I did. <laughs> yeah, well, you do it for a while, and then Eventually. you get tired, and then life takes, life uh, has its uh, pressing concerns, and you've exactly. got to carry on. Yeah. So, um, but it's important, what you, it's not an all or nothing in that respect. You can have it as an, uh, as an understanding. You don't have to, you carry on, live your life, and, and it's, just, it's just, you file it away as part of your, part of reality, of your version of reality. You know, which is a fairly objective version of reality compared to the official story of 9-11 that some guy in a cave in Afghanistan and a bunch of 19 hijackers who couldn't fly planes did it at all. It doesn't. It's, it's a, such a ridiculous claim that it's amazing that it has ever flown, but there you go. Against or the not world's... Flown, no pun intended. <laughs> against the world's superpower. Yeah. Which at the time was certainly, definitely the only superpower. But the important, yeah, and the important lesson from that is for, for people who accept that the official story 9-11 isn't true, is, is that it informs your understanding of government and the system and the control and the, the control system and the authority under mm -hmm. which you live. So it Im and Im media messaging going forward. And, and the media as part of anything. Yeah, and the media as part of that system that you know, propagates and disseminates lies to the public and it just accepts them to, expects them to uh, accept them. That's very important uh, to, as a, as a, as a, you know, as a, as a, a, sh a change in your worldview or a refreshing of your worldview going forward in how you, like you just said, uh, interpret subsequent events uh, in, in, in your country or in the world and how you understand them. And the important point of that is that it's it ultimately, when it comes down to your, your, your individual life and, and, and how it might impact you, it can have a positive effect <clears throat> uh, if you're skeptical, if you have that skepticism and distrust of government because you understand that 9-11, the official story of 9-11 is very unlikely to be true and therefore the government might or may well have had some part to play in it, you're going to be very skeptical of the government and you're going to not believe everything they say and that may well protect you in a certain situation where other people are believing what the government says and the government is fundamentally a bad actor and... Uh, is not working in your best interest, so you know. So it's, that's that's all the most most people can really get out of it. You know what I mean? You can investigate it, go down the rabbit hole if you want, but the bottom line is, your conclusion has to be that you need to be very careful about believing anything the government says, and you need to actively assume the government is not working in your best interest. That doesn't mean every single day they're not chasing you in black helicopters in order to get you in every single day. But when major things happen, when big things come along, distrust. You have every right, and it's very objective. You're not a scare, you're not you're not a crazy person to to be actively skeptical of what the government says. You know, doubt first, and then wait to see if you can 
you know, dispel that doubt or not. It's far more practical, far more objective way to approach anything that comes out of government or the media mm-hmm. when it's a big issue uh, yeah. than to audit, first believe and wait for any holes in the story to come out and be presented to you on a plate. No, you actively disbelieve because you've got good reason to disbelieve because you've looked at previous events that show that, you know, they're not a, they're not a credible source of information. They lie to you quite a lot. So people should do that. But again, there's a problem with that because it's a bit stressful for people to think it's that stress, everything stress. they hear from the government, as soon as they watch the news, the first thing you have to think of is, that's wrong. That's probably a lie. There's probably some bullshit involved in that. And you've got to think about it and figure out what, you know what I mean? So people just go, meh, I don't want to bother. It's far easier yeah. just to just, just swallow everything. And they don't like themselves when they start going around being angry at everyone and everything. And right. being told such and losing friends and having family, right. you know, right. start to worry about their mental health. We've all been there. Well, some of us have been there, done that. And you do have to pull all the way back and uh, learn somehow to incorporate it. And, and we did, as did half those half of the American people who carried on. But I, I suppose the thing, we, the refrain we were hit with time and time again in those early years after it, when the Internet was still a fun place to actually yeah. discuss things. It was new bring new evidence to light and there was far less tampering from fake news from sock puppetry you know stuff like that the discussion will keep coming back to we've mentioned it already okay but yeah but what are you suggesting i do about it take up arms and overthrow the government Mm. no what you're going to do with it is to not take up arms and overthrow foreign governments which is exactly what Mm-hmm. 95% of the American people supported immediately after 9-11. Right. Who are we hitting first? Afghanistan? Awesome. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Don't ask questions. Let's roll, as the phrase went. Yeah, let's uh, roll. Who's next? Iraq? Do it. Turn the place into a glass parking lot. The point is you were taking up, or you were activated to take up arms and or lend your support mm-hmm. in whatever way to do something about it, in quotes. But the doing something about it was a bad decision. Mm-hmm. You were misinformed. Had you had more information, kept it to yourself if need be. You don't have to tell anyone about it, but it would have meant you were in a better, better position to make a better choice right. when the key moments arrived thereafter. Yeah. And there were many others. There were the wars, obviously, involvement in the wars. Something like three million young American men mm-hmm. passed through those wars. Support for the Patriot Act and Patriot Act Two. Okay, everyone, drop your pants, please, and take your shoes off. Mm-hmm. Everyone just rolled over and accepted that. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. Well, we're at well, war here. Don't anybody be questioning why we should do that. Let the TSA fondle you up and down. Let them scan you and, you know, start sharing the pics behind your back. Who right. cares about your privacy? There's something more important at stake here. Right. So it's, it's the actions that you, you take based on the government's suggestion and the media messaging suggestion, those actions, you have choice in how you will act. So it's, it's forget about, okay, so I've got it now. What you're saying is this, we need to over the, no, 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 no. What you need to do is monitor yourself in your daily life and how you're responding to prompts. Yeah. Next time there's a, a Department of Homeland Security terror threat. Remember that thing from red through green? Ain't today, it's that bright orange. Everyone mm-hmm. be alert, be alert. You're supposed to, you're supposed to respond accordingly mm-hmm. to the programming and go, right, I should okay. be afraid, I should, I should be home. afraid. I should watch out, support I the troops. I um, should snitch on my neighbors. Yes, that was a big thing. That was a new introduction. The other thing was, we thought was a key mark at the time because it 
in a sense, it's abstract. People say, well, okay, I remember having discussions about this and it was like, yeah, but it's just one or two guys and they're almost certainly bad actors. The issue of torture. When they were bringing it to that point, in a couple of years after, especially mm -hmm. when the Iraq war got underway mm -hmm. and torturing people and then Gitmo, of course, mm -hmm. and an extraordinary rendition and global black sites everywhere from Ireland, which officially had none, to Poland, to mm -hmm. Kenya, to Abu Ghraib. Mm -hmm. torturing people, the support for torturing people. The, when the news broke, the shocking news broke and the photos from Abu Ghraib, ordinarily pre-9-11, that, that would have been the end of a government. A government would have fallen mm -hmm. over that. Mm -hmm. After 9-11, it was like, it was well, and, and there were other cultural things propping it up. You remember 24, that TV show, yeah. most popular in the world at the time? Yeah. yeah. You go race against time to get the guy to torture to get the information. Oh, but the the, the antagonism, uh, the internal debate. It, what about the guy's, you know, his yeah. human rights and stuff? Well, there's millions of lives at stake. I'm going to torture. I mean, you know, those things. Where you will fall on those abstract things, which have repercussions for human society and not just your own country, but everyone going uh -huh. forward. Uh -huh. The world, yeah. That's where you had power. What you just you decided internally yourself, mm -hmm. never mind talking to your neighbors mm -hmm. and trying to and sending emails to everyone, yeah, on a daily basis. Did you see the latest, you know, trying to wake them up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the point was, you were in a you were the battleground through which, right, something was trying to force its way in on the back of 9 11 mm -hmm. from torture to support for wars mm -hmm. and so much more. Mm -hmm. It was a, an attempt to corrupt the kind of. The, I suppose the, the morality or the value yes. systems of, of, of many people uh, uh, in the US and, and elsewhere around the world, but primarily in the US, you know. Um, I mean, you talked about the Patriot Act, which came in immediately after 9-11, uh, and that led to, you know, Snowden's revelations about the whole spying on Americans. We you know, basically, uh, I mean, well, if we, we have, um, I think I have a picture here. Um, just, we'll put up the Biden Patriot Act. Biden was um, this is a senator a, then. Yeah, but this this is his him being quoted. It's in the Atlantic, I think. I drafted a ter terrorism bill after the Oklahoma City bombing, and the bill John Ashcroft sent up was my bill. Um, that he's talking about the Patriot Act. John Ashcroft, you know, mm -hmm. kind of tabled or put forward the the Patriot Act, you know, but obviously it was drafted by other people as well, but. Uh, Biden claims that he was the one after the Oklahoma City bombing actually drafted what was in effect the, the Patriot Act. So, you know, Biden, Biden's got a long history there, you know. Um, well, small caveat, Biden claims a lot of things yeah. that he did not actually do. However, yeah. I suppose the point to be taken there is that, indeed, I can believe that such legislation was word for word ready to go after Oklahoma, right. but the time wasn't time right. right. There was too much more. pushback from conservative America yeah. or something like that. And just bring up the ACLU, ACLU link there, Scotty. It's just uh, a little flashback to, uh, you know, basically what the ACLU or what the, sorry, what the Patriot Act was about. Um, Patriot Act was the first of many changes to, to surveillance laws that made it easier for the government to spy on ordinary Americans by expanding the authority to monitor phone, email communications, collect bank and credit reporting cards, track activity, innocent Americans on the internet, blah, blah. Most Americans think it was created to catch terrorists. The Patriot Act actually turns regular citizens into suspects. This was at, at the time, you know, not long afterwards. Yes, yeah, I, I um, forgot to mention that, the surveillance issues. 
Yeah. And it sailed by such that by the time the quote-unquote Snowden revelations yeah. come out in 2013, right. everyone starts clutching their pearls in the shock and the horror mm-hmm. at this stuff there. It's, <clears throat> you know, on paper. Mm-hmm. And the realization that a decade later in practice, that's yeah. what was, it wasn't going to get terrorists. It was done to hold foreign governments captive mm-hmm. or hostage or bribe them or whatever or to uh, blackmail them and uh, to spy on Americans. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so just like, I mean, bring, bring up, uh, just, just do it in this order, Biden, freedom, slavery, JPEG. Um, Biden said this the other night. Uh, this is not about your freedom. This is for your safety. What was he talking about? Oh, 9-11, obviously. No. No. He's talking about vaccines, vaccine mandates. Right. And, of course, there you have that old geezer on the left that uh, everybody knows who said that famous thing. Those that give up freedom for safety deserve neither. It's a very common phrase. It's like a lot of people know it, and it's a general truism that, you know, you shouldn't give up your freedom for safety because you not only do you deserve neither, but you You'll get, you get, you neither. get neither. Uh, it's just funny that Biden, you know, in, in response to um, our, our talking about justifying his vaccine mandates, say, said exactly the opposite of that. It was advocating the opposite of... Uh, what, one of the four founding fathers of yeah, the United States. Exactly, yeah. So he's not exactly in the same lineage as the founding fathers of the US. He's pretty much the opposite. He's advocating that you should give up uh, your, your your freedom in order to be safe. Uh, of course, he's talk, like I said, he's talking about COVID and COVID-19 vaccinations. Um, um, if we just go to Twitter, Oliver Darcy, I think it is, uh, no, sorry. Um, yeah. Um, well, let's go to the other one. Um, Tim, runs, Tim runs his mouth. Yeah, we played this, I think, a little while ago. It's just worth playing again in the context of what we're talking about. Just play it there. A new terror alert has been issued by Homeland Security tonight. Oh, Pete Homeland Williams Security. is here. Pete, what do we know about this? Just pause there for a second. Just so I can say, Homeland Security was created... After 9-11. After, because of 9-11. Carry on. New terrorism advisory is not based on any actual threats or plots, but it says there's a rise in anti-government rhetoric. Some of it is opposition to COVID public health rules like mask and vaccine measures. Some calls for violent action are based on claims of election fraud or a belief that Donald Trump can be reinstated. And DHS says the coming 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks and religious holidays later this year could be catalysts for mm-hmm. violence. The That's last terror advisory... Uh, so that just links the two, basically. It's being linked, obviously, in um, by, by the government, by the Department of Homeland Security. It was created after 9-11 specifically to take care of Homeland Security, which was never necessary before. It was never necessary to have a, to have a government agency specifically designed to take care of, to keep people in America safe by surveilling them, spying on them. Um, but uh, 9-11 changed all that, obviously. And then, you know, you have it today domestic terrorism, the same kind of things that 9-11 give rise to is on the same page as people are being touted on the same page as people uh, uh, complaining about COVID measures, including vaccine mandates that Joe Biden just said, it's about your safety. So forget about your freedom, it's for your safety. Um, And the one we were just looking at then, this is Bush yesterday. I know I apologize in advance, the other one, uh, Oliver Darcy. I apologize in advance for putting this monkey, uh, this 
kind of fake human, like a, a he's basically a monkey in a human suit, uh, and he has and it's a, that's an insult to monkeys. Uh, <laughs> but he was in Pennsylvania yesterday um, on the anniversary of nine eleven, giving a he gave like a ten minute speech, mostly full of bullshit, uh, as you might expect from a person like him. Uh, but there was a section in it where he said the following. And we have seen growing evidence that the dangers to our country can come not only across borders, but from violence that gathers within. There is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But in their disdainful pluralism, in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit, and it is our continuing duty to confront them. Okay, so children of the same foul spirit. Children of the same foul. Who are That's those? Who, who are those children? Well, he's basically speaking on 9/11 in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, where Flight 93 was most likely shot down, not crashed, not let's roll, not take, not take the airplane back, not. Again, this is a ferry story, right? Uh, the, the the guys on board, let's roll. Those words were never actually said. Um, nothing is really known about what happened in that flight at all. There's a, a movie was made about it, nine, Flight 93, that, that dramatized the whole thing. And it was all based on just hearsay. Nobody knows what happened on that plane. Um, they And they crashed into the ground. So the great American heroes crashed into the ground in order to protect people on the ground in case it was going to the White House maybe or the... Uh, uh, the Capitol Hill, where it was the, the official narrative is that those guys actually crashed the plane, sacrificed themselves and all the lives of the other people, on, the lives of the other thirty some people on the plane, in order to save Congress. In order to save Congress, that's the that's the narrative. So um, it's pretty horrific in terms of its the level of bullshit that 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 they come out with around this. But anyway, so Bush is talking here about uh, what did he say that he. The he said that, that the there, same were, did he say although there is little cultural crossover there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of cross cultural crossover between foreign terrorists like i.e. people who carried out the supposed people who carried out n11 i.e. bin laden and muzzies radical muslims yeah. and domestic terrorists but, but they share a disdain for plurality he, he garbled those words but he was trying to say they have a disdain for plurality a disdain uh, for human life and and a, a desire to defile national national symbols. symbols. What's he making a connection between there directly? The Capitol Hill and Twin Towers. So Twin Towers by national symbols. Right. Okay. So the commonality between the, the, ah, the and Jihadis, Flight ninety three would have been. So the well, story well, he's goes, talking in general. Gone to he's Capitol not, Hill yeah, he's not talking specifically about Flight 93. He's talking about yeah. the 9 11 attacks. So the national symbols he's referring to are the, are the Twin Towers, and uh, back in 2001, uh, carried out by supposedly by a bunch of jihadis working out of a cave in Afghanistan, uh, who couldn't and who came to America and couldn't fly Cessnas, but were able to crash planes into the World Trade Center tower. Uh, and were such devoted followers of Allah, they like strippers and cocaine. Yeah, and pork and. So he's made a connection between those people who crashed, in, who supposedly did that, uh, the national symbol of the World Trade Center towers, and the nine, the Trump supporters on nine eleven who defiled the Capitol building by running in there and taking selfies. This is the level of bullshit and hubris that you have to put up with, and the, the kind of propaganda and the messaging that's being mm -hmm. projected onto people. And there's people on Twitter but, who are taking that up. There's people on Twitter who are saying that you know the, the worst day in their lives up until. 
the worst day in their lives up until the 1st of January this year the worst day in their lives was 9-11 in America but that was overridden by far by what happened on Capitol Hill now I don't know if that's a sock puppet account or people like that are running or just are just making shit up but that's what Bush said Bush right. he voiced exactly the same sentiment yeah. um, at least he equated the two uh, that the Capitol Hill riot was as bad in terms of the motivation and the mentality of the people involved in the Capitol Hill. The Capitol Hill uh, unpaid visit, I would say. It's not much of a riot. It was an unpaid visit. Uh, um, Facilitated in some respects. Yeah, it was a visit around the Capitol. That is as bad as 9-11. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just... The, the, the blurring of the two yeah. is, is, is key here. Yeah. It's what motivated people certainly I, can, I presume for yourself as well back then to want people to pay attention to this mm -hmm. because what was happening at the time was uh, we've been attacked let's rally together and mm -hmm. there was you know a lot of American unity except against one minority there'll be one who will be the scapegoat mm -hmm. there were far fewer Muslims in the United States at the time but still there were enough, and there were many more in elsewhere in the Western world, mm -hmm. especially in Western Europe. Except for them, yeah, they're dangerous. Now, we the, the key thing we warned about was that it's not going to end there. You can go along with this narrative; it helps you feel good to some extent. You do feel a, a sense of national unity. Conservatives, liberals, blue, red, got together over that issue. But mm -hmm. there was a mother of all traps laid in that. And we said what it was going to be, that this was not going to end with a few Muslims being mm -hmm. castigated for doing this to us. Mm -hmm. It's going to set the template for dividing and ruling, getting you to hate another for doing something to you, mm -hmm. allegedly, or mm -hmm. something done in their name. Mm -hmm. And it's going to end up resulting in, quote unquote, domestic terrorists. It won't end there. Yeah, it's and it's it's in its full fruition now. Twenty years later, yeah, to the point that they don't even need to hammer on about nine eleven. I, I almost felt like they re reluctantly dealt with the subject because yeah, there were lots of memorial events and the American media covered it all day yesterday. Yeah, but really in the run up to it, nothing, and it'll probably drop off again now. Mm -hmm. I think as we'll talk about that maybe later on, but uh, they're washing their hands of this. They've moved on from that. Yep, the war on terror foreign wars, um, the Muslim jihadists in our midst, beware, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. they, they've moved on. I mean, if you look at you can see that in how sparse, quote-unquote, ISIS or Al-Qaeda terror attacks are these days. Okay, mm -hmm. with the exception of the one that took place in Kabul uh, a couple of weeks ago. They're sparse. Mm -hmm. even, even overseas. Mm -hmm. Baghdad has calmed down. Afghanistan has calmed down. At home, Hell, when was the last major one? Mm. There was a little bit of a one where several people were killed, indeed, yep. in Vienna last year. Well, then the nine eleven started all right, and nine eleven was the the narrative behind nine eleven was that we were shocked to see we were used. I mean, all the, there were lots of um, there was lots of uh, I mean, government defence was focused on uh, repelling a kind of a other great power attack on America for had been for for decades before that you know during the Cold War and stuff and was still that way on on nine eleven 
where the threat was seen as coming from Russia or China or something, and it was going to be probably a nuclear attack or maybe a conventional war, a conventional attack leading up to a, a nuclear attack involving Cuba. They had all sorts of different... On 9-11, they had a bunch of um, military exercises that simulating that kind of a thing, simulating a, a, some kind of a major attack based on, the, on their understanding of what kind of attack would probably come, which would be some kind of a, you know, a major country. 9-11 just blew that all out of the water and had to, just shocked everybody to realise that this kind of a kind of homegrown, effectively, in a certain sense, or at least came, coming from inside the country, was just like, no one would have, had ever thought of that before, you know, although they actually had. But anyway, they didn't take it seriously. On a smaller were, scale. Yeah, and they were running these games on the day, and that's a big part of the thing that was never, in terms of 9-11 investigation, was never really dis discussed in any detail uh, about what, how those, the extent to which those uh, military games which mobilized all of the defense infrastructure and the military and, you know, the communications and everything uh, in, in America, how that compromised or facilitated the 9-11 the attacks by sowing so much confusion. There was basically all of the, all of the defense capabilities, including the Air Force and uh, in particular and all the comms, were all div diverted towards fake uh, scenarios that they were playing out, that they were role-playing at the time while this happened under the nose. It's just, I mean, even that in itself, that that fact is just like highly suspicious, you know what I mean? Other highly suspicious things are, uh, what I just sent to there, Scott, if you pull that one up, the, the Wikipedia article, I mean, you can actually look at the website. I don't know if the website exists anymore, but PNAC, Project for a New American Century, Wolfowitz, Rumsfeld, Cheney, all those people, a bunch of war hawks. Uh, in the 90s uh, and and just uh, just before the I think a year not even a year before the September 11th attacks uh, produced the documents there's a think tank basically that more or less think tanks major think tanks in the US and in other countries direct government policy or form government policy and then government congress implements it or the White House implements it written before the September 11th attacks this PNAC document called Rebuilding America's Defences <clears throat> Um was basically saying that they needed to, America needed to project its military power around the world, specifically into the Middle East, in order to secure American dominance in the world uh, going forward, and that the process, uh, and they needed to transform the way America looked at, uh, you know, the world and the way it, the way it organized its military, and further the process of, of this transformation, even if it brings revolutionary change, is likely to be a long one, absent some catastrophic and catalyzing event, like a new Pearl Harbor. Uh, within a year, you had your new Pearl Harbor. I mean, that's just one more example, and this is just a tiny few examples that we're giving here of the, <laughs> the, the implausible coincidences, let's say, around 9-11 around and how the whole thing went down, that anybody with any sense has to be highly, highly suspicious of, of, of the of the official story and you don't have to come up with it. We were talking earlier, you have to come up with your own explanation as to, well, you have to come up with your own explanation as to how it happened. But why it happened, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it's in this document. America wanted people within the US government or behind in the establishment, career politicians, etc., had a plan to project American military power into the Middle East but they didn't have the rationale or the justification for it. 9-11 provided that justification, and that launched the war on terror, uh, which was, you know, destroying countries in the Middle East, invading occupying countries in the Middle East to, you know, secure America's future, supposedly, as the dominant power in the world, and then at home to institute a kind of a, a police state where people would give up their 
uh, freedoms, would be forced to give up their freedoms or would willingly give up their freedoms uh, on the basis of them being terrified, effectively, of being. So the terrorism at home had the effect of Americans giving up their freedoms. So the government sowed fear in order to induce people to give up their freedoms. It's not much of a, a stretch to look at the COVID situation today and to see a, a similar or same, the same or a similar dynamic of Americans, or not just Americans, but the entire world, people around the world being induced to give up their freedoms uh, on the basis of a fear. And, you know, as we've documented in the show, it is to a large extent a manufactured threat. Uh, it's certainly exaggerated to, to a great degree uh, by authorities and officials in, in, in many countries. So um, it's part of a process, yeah. I at, mean, we at, the the risk, at the risk of stating the obvious, I'm sure that COVID-19 and the the, glo- the galvanization of global, in lockstep, as they all put it in their own terms, activity by governments along the same lines in the last two years could not have happened without 9-11. Mm. Now, that's kind of no shit, you know, Sherlock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, it couldn't. Sequentially, that's what happened. But I'm, how far can I go with that? I'm not sure because the two are disconnected topics on the face of it. They're obviously <laughs> disconnected by a generation. There's different people involved. They're going to be different specific vested and financial interests involved. At the time, you could say, well, in, indeed, it, it matched reality. At the time, the biggest lobby groups in um, Congress and in other centres of power like the City of London and the European Union in, in, in Brussels, by far the biggest lobby groups were big oil. And I think close behind them were big weapons, weapons manufacturers. So you can see how the vested interest of money is seeking that outcome. Increased involvement in the Middle East for the West and specifically for the United States. Reality also matches today. By far, they've like overtaken everyone else by a factor of two, the biggest lobby groups in those same centers of power since about five years ago, the big pharma. Right. So it's whoever's the biggest lobby group I put most money into politicians and into American and Western politics, they're the ones whose agenda gets served. And certainly you could argue that... That's what the two events have in common, at the very least, at the most basic functional level. Yeah. At a conditioning level, you could argue that um, 9-11, projecting terrorism, projecting terrorism around the world, projecting American military military might uh, into the Middle East and that region, Afghanistan... Um, that it give rise, I don't think anybody would disagree, it give rise to a lot of pushback or blowback terrorist attacks in, in Western countries uh, that had the, over the, I mean, the first one, I think the first major one um, took, after 9-11 was in Madrid, uh, train bombing. Time. It was three, three years. Three years. Yeah. But I mean, there was also blowback though. Well, no, I mean, you can get into that right. uh, separate as to who was actually doing that uh, or why that happened, but um the Madrid Atocha train, Madrid train, train bombing that killed over 200 people. Yeah. Then uh, three years later, the London bombings in 2007. 2005, wasn't it? I think it was 7705. Okay, sorry, a year later. Yeah, 7705. Yeah. yeah. Was it? Yeah. Okay, 2005. Um, and then you've probably, probably forgotten about a lot in between different kind of attacks because then from 2005 up until 2015, 7, 16, 17, 18, 19, there were so many. 
uh, in the US, in Europe, and it just became uh, the norm, mm-hmm. except, you know, it, people didn't normalize it. It was brutal and terrifying each time, and it conditioned people to... And obviously the direct effect it had was allowing government to have more control and more influence. It was a continuation of the Patriot Act in a certain sense. Because the yes, Patriot Act, because each subsequent event was, of course, constantly linked back to 9-11. Right. And the Patriot Act was designed to protect homelands, right? Protect the homeland in the US and, and the UK and, and other European countries and other countries around the world, I suppose, had, had took up that mantle as well and developed their own systems of further control and scrutiny of what was going on within the country, which means scrutinizing the population. So it's uh, Ostensibly from a foreign threat. Right, against a foreign threat. Mm. Um, but, yeah. So... What does it mean now, though? I mean... That, yeah, that was if. That, I mean, that was if. if. The, if the thing in the PNAC document is to project American power abroad, mm-hmm. we saw that happen. Mm. Now that they're scaling back, drawing out of Afghanistan... Yeah. The Middle East. Does does that mean that it's done? No, because all that infrastructure is still, still in place, and so. it's, it's become it's become a standard part of the way government operates uh, in regards to the population. That those those surveillance infrastructures and the you know the the scrutiny and, and, and manipulation are curtailing of people's rights and the managing of people's lives to a finer and finer scale uh, are. are carrying on a pace, you know, and, and I mean, you could almost say that COVID came along at a time when terrorism had kind of done its job, you know what I mean? The terror threat had, had done its job or was no longer useful, seen as no longer being very useful uh, in, in, to achieve that agenda of controlling populations. So COVID comes along and it amp- ramps it up considerably in terms of the, the, the controlling of people's lives that government gets to do. I mean, look what happened over the past 18 months, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't leave your house. Can you? You can't sit in a park bench. You can't go into these stores. You can't. You know. You can't look at other people. You can't stare at other people. You have to wear a mask. I mean, it's, it's, it's. it's oh, on it's the like face a, of it, the fear of a virus is far more effective in terms of. Well, yeah, because it's invisible. Galvanizing right? popular support for quote unquote revolutionary change than, than terrorism. Yeah, because yeah, terrorists at least are, are human beings that can be seen or whatever, and you can avoid them. But I mean, people people made that analogy, you know, or drew that drew that comparison that this was like an invisible terrorist. You know what I mean? This was like invisible Al-Qaeda, uh, microscopic invisible Al-Qaeda floating around, attacking people and killing people. With a spiky at, beard. At, at will, with a spiky beard, yeah. So, um, uh, it's, as it's, a side note, how far, we'll come back because it's mainly the connection of co- the COVID era, quote-unquote, that's opened and the ending of the war on, quote-unquote, Islamic terror era. But how far can we go with this? Because... We've got to remember that what another big chunk of revolutionary change. That's for me. That's one of the most interesting phrase in there. It's not that he is teed up for saying, "Well, all our plans will work if we get a new Pearl Harbor." I mean, that's okay. Well, that's obviously a red flag. But the other phrase that was used, even if this brings revolutionary change, how? What is revolutionary change about to within those the people? military? They were talking about it within the military, and that was the limit of it. Because well, they were saying about they need to revolutionize the way the U.S. military is structured, how it operates, its readiness, okay. what, what its focus is, and its focus needs to be. That was the context it's, it's not, in which it's they not said that. Externally focused enough, it needs to refocus in a big way on the rest of the world in order to secure America's dominance in the world. 
by projecting our power into primarily into the Middle East and the Central Asian area in order to push back Russia and China. That was the whole point of yeah. of the rationale behind 9-11. And it was also obviously to secure, you know, to help Israel. Israel had a big part to play in, in, in pushing that whole ethos of getting American troops into the Middle East. Uh, they invaded Afghanistan on the trumped up charge that bin Laden was living there and well, he was responsible for the attacks on the very first day of the, on 9-11. They were blaming bin Laden, which is ridiculous. Uh, and um, and they went to Iraq then, which had no. They Bush tried to claim that Iraq had uh, some involvement with Al Qaeda. Obviously, they didn't. Then they made up the the weapons of mass destruction thing to justify uh, the invasion of Iraq, which had no part to play in nine eleven whatsoever. But because they wanted to invade Iraq, they wanted to secure that part of the world and to overthrow the Iraqi government and to remake the order in the Middle East in order, to, like I, like I keep saying, to secure American interests and Israeli interests because Israel's interests are extremely high profile in America. Yeah. Um, but just just not look up, put up uh, bin there, Scotty, bin one and bin two, one after the other. Uh, I'll just read the first one. Um, this is just 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 for your FYI. This is the only verified statement from Bin Laden in Afghanistan at the time, which is where she was. Uh, after immediately after 9/11, after the recent attacks, which they the U.S. had witnessed, which the U.S. has witnessed, the U.S. government ventured to point fingers at me, accusing me of involvement. The U.S. government has consistently blamed me for being behind every occasion its enemies attack it. Next, I would like to assure the world that I did not plan the recent attacks, which seem to have pl been planned by people for personal reasons. As for me, I've been living in the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan and following its leader's rules. The current leader does not allow me to exercise such operations. That's the only verified statement by bin Laden. You probably heard more afterwards where he claimed that he took, but they're highly questionable. And That's notice that that line of <coughs> he's taking is completely antithetical to the alleged statements of claims of responsibility for every time al-Qaeda slash ISIS comes through whoever is claiming that they said it, which is, yes, the man who just drove over people on the streets in London, he was one of our brothers and yeah. we sent him out. They, yeah. they, they actively wanted everything. Give us the kudos, give us the kudos. Yeah. And then the key guy says, after no, no, the, the mother me. of all terrorist attacks goes, yeah. uh, hang on, no, right. not me. Right. But that's the thing about it is people who haven't lived and haven't experienced and don't know the hard factual, the hard facts about... about you know, situations in countries where terrorist attacks have occurred um, and when you get claims of responsibility afterwards, like I'm, I grew up in Northern Ireland and it's pretty much, you know, everybody at the time knew it and since then maybe they've forgotten about it now, but at the time everybody knew it that when any kind of a bombing would occur, uh, particularly bombings or even shootings would occur, um, very often you would have a phone call from a phone box to authorities, this would be reported afterwards, that some group that nobody had heard of before claimed responsibility for this attack and it would be a group that was, you know, aligned one way or the other. And almost invariably in, in that case in Northern Ireland, it was some group that was aligned with the IRA or in some way aligned with Irish nationalism. Uh, and I mean, everybody at the time was extremely sceptical of, of that claim because how easy is it for anyone, how easy is it for a member of the British government, and this is documented so it's not a conspiracy theory, the British government, the British state was directly involved in carrying out terrorist attacks in Northern Ireland 
and then calling it journalists bla- and, and, and then blaming them allowing it the blame to fall on their enemy the IRA at the time and but before that to, to, in order to pin the blame on their enemy at the time they would call up a journalist and say this is the uh, Irish uh, freedom front for freedom in Ireland and we carried out that bombing attack I mean it's so easy for not, not only is it so easy for, it's obviously easy for them to call up and make that claim anybody can make call up and make that claim but it's just as easy and, and was and has been documented easy for the British to plant a bomb wherever they wanted in Northern Ireland uh, kill some people and then call up and say where are the uh, Irish freedom fighters for freedom in Ireland and we did that it's like it's not a you know you don't have to be a rocket scientist and, and when you understand when you've when you when you've lived through that and you understand <clears throat> that that is a reality and it's a documented reality a reality at this point when you see claims like you've just mentioned of in in, in, in later days of uh, some group ISIS whoever claiming an attack you just go that's that's not worth the money it cost him to make that call. I mean, mm. it's, it's, it's irrelevant, basically. Yeah. It's so easy to, to, to fake. And if you understand that there's an agenda working, you understand the general context in which this whole thing is happening and the political context uh, that it's happening, then, well, you got to think more, think harder about the whole thing. You know what I mean? You, gotta, you, you have to be skeptical, like we've been saying at the very beginning, you know? Yeah. And it's not skepticism just that you pull out of the air. It's, or it's not just from your sceptical nature because you're some weirdo or you like conspiracy theories. It's scepticism that is based in hard fact and in an objective understanding of how the world actually works. And most people don't have an objective understanding of how the world actually works because it's, you know, for lots of reasons they don't pay attention and also because that objective view of how the world actually works is not a pleasant view. And people don't like unpleasant things so they prefer to indulge in comfortable, more pleasant narratives about things, which the media is, uh, and the government is only willing to give them. So, yeah, COVID, I mean, for me, it's, there's a, con- there's a continuum between the two. Uh, between in terms nine, of the methods? Nine, the... Well, well, the basic idea of using fear to steal liberties. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a commonality behind both of them, both 9-11 and this COVID business is that nobody can, <coughs> nobody can doubt or nobody can dis- dispute the fact that whatever you, whatever you claim about it, the, the cause of it or the origins of it, the, the result is that fear has been used to take people's liberties away. Um, so there's a, and that's the only meaningful uh, uh, effect of either of them because when it comes down to it it's, it's how it affects people's lives and the only meaningful effect on people's lives is that their liberties have been taken away and they have allowed their liberties to be taken away because of fear and that fear has mostly been sown and generated by uh, the government and the media in response to an event then you have to get into the, the event what's the source of the event is the, is the official story of, of how the event happened or where it came from is that true on both counts, it's not. There's lots of, of uh, reason for, for scepticism about both, as we've just documented, only very slightly, but uh, documented the, the reasons to be sceptical of the official 9-11 story, and there's plenty of reason for anybody who's been paying even a small amount of attention to be sceptical of the official story about uh, the origins of COVID, where it came from. Mm-hmm. At the very least, it came from a lab. It didn't just arise Fauci out of the back. again under the spotlight this week. Yeah, 
Fauci to Rand Paul, but uh, he's got support now in Congress. Well, he's, he's a serious risk of being investigated. He should be, because play Fauci video there, Scotty. Um, Fauci to MP4. And just, and just real quickly, um, there was a study that came out of Israel about natural immunity. And basically the headline was that natural immunity provides a lot of protection, even better than the vaccines alone. Um, how, what, are, what are people to make of that? So, so as we talk about vaccine mandates, there are, I get calls all the time. People say, I've already had COVID. I'm protected. And now the study says maybe even more protected than the vaccine alone. Should they also get the vaccine? How do you make the case to them? You know, that's a really good point, Sanjay. I don't have a really firm answer for you on that. That's something that we're going to have to discuss regarding the durability yeah. of the response. The one thing the paper from Israel didn't tell you is whether or not as high as the protection is with natural infection, what's the durability compared to the durability mm. of a vaccine? Yeah. So it is conceivable that's that you got infected, you're protected. Yeah. So his question is, what's, well, I can answer that question New York Post, Scotty. Dot com. What's the durability? We'll, we'll get back to what he said in a minute, but just... What's the durability of natural immunity? Last years. Years. As opposed to months. As opposed to months with the vaccine. So the, the question is, and you, you notice what Fauci says, uh, you know, the guy asked him a question, a legitimate question that's been like, it's the elephant in the room yeah. for, quite a, for a few months now. <clears throat> and he can't for, give... A study out of Israel answer. showing that immunity is sign- like a lot... Uh, stronger immunity not from, from, from having been infected um, is much stronger than from the vaccines. And he's like, yeah, I don't really have a, a, a good answer for you on that one, but we should look into it. What, That's an extraordinary answer. Yeah, you should look into the possibility that your vaccines are completely useless. You should look Implicitly, into Implicitly, he, he didn't fight back on the implicit point there. No, he didn't. Which is that but he, you're more at risk... I think, isn't that the correct way to read that? You're more at risk of ending up in a hospital in Israel if you've been vaccinated? Yes. From COVID, you're correct more, to infer that? Yeah. You, yet you're if you immune- have longer lasting immunity naturally yeah. and just stay away from the vaccine, you are at less of risk of ending up in a hospital. There was a little twist actually in, in the Sanjay guy the, who, who responded, who asked the question, who said that there's a study out of Israel showing that natural immunity is stronger than, uh, significantly, significantly stronger than, um, than, immunity from the vaccine alone yeah <clears throat> so he put that little twist in there and i'm sure Fauci was very happy about it but he, that's a that's a that's a manipulation because the study that he's referring to did not compare natural immunity versus natural immunity plus vaccine it compared natural immunity versus vaccine mm-hmm. and it showed that natural immunity was much stronger and as was just shown lasts a lot longer than any immunity you get from the vaccine and that's a, that was a big study in Israel. I think it was something like 75,000 people. That's so, extraordinary. That the, the man who has the answers, St. Fauci, to a large swathe of, uh, I think it's just an Amer- I hope it's just an American audience and there aren't British and French buying St. Fauci, Fauci candles to light. This man who has had all the answers these last 18 months has no answer for the question. There's only one solution. What's <laughs> at the very least, 
Fire him, for God's sake. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, he's, yeah, he's, um, he's in serious trouble. Um, of course. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, getting back to what we're talking about, there's, there's a lot of bullshit around both of these stories that have the commonality of um, forcing people to give out liberties based on uh, fear. Um, the the connection between the, I mean, we talked we talked about this previously about not on the show I don't think but the idea that you know people have men have a question why would politicians do this why are they running with this and, and and it seems pretty evident that politicians the 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 job of politicians their the purpose of their existence essentially as politicians is to control the population. People don't like that explanation, but that's what it is. That's how they see their themselves and their job as a politician. It's, it's not to, they like to use this term public servant. I'm here to serve, to serve the public and people push that back in their faces. You're, you work for me and stuff, but that's not how politicians see it. Generally speaking, politicians are elected by members of the, 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 the population because they are better in some way, they're smarter, they're more intelligent. That's why people vote for them. Yeah, you, you, you talk good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna vote for you. You know, and so those people see themselves as, you know, rightfully as being kind of like, you know, the cream of the crop in a certain sense, or at least of the the area that they that they come from, and they're going to represent those people. But that leads them, you know, just naturally as part of human nature, whatever, to see themselves as better and see the people that they supposedly serve as people that need to be not served, but controlled or, you know, uh, managed or regulated in some way, you know, and that then just gets worse and worse as you go up the, the power structure, you have further and further distance from the only saving grace for some politicians is that they come, they're close to the local community and they have some kind of an empathy or some kind of empathy or some kind of a, a connection to the ordinary population. But when you're talking about establishing Washington politicians and people who have been born into political families who rise up, they are so far from the average person in the street that they really do see them as rabble, as just people who need to be controlled. And, and, and like I said, as you go up the kind of pathological scale, and it is a pathology because eventually it becomes, it turns into kind of greed and a, a lust for power and control over other people. You get to the point where there's so much distance and so such a lack of empathy with the ordinary members of the population that you can have people tell egregious lies and manipulate and control for their own self-interest. And I would put that at Fauci's door and many other people's door going back to 9-11 and right up to today um, in terms of COVID and what's going on. Um, this is all just basic human psychology in a certain sense. You know, okay, there's, it's a little bit more complicated when you get into pathology and psychopathology and the idea of panorology and stuff. But it's still consistent with uh, yeah. uh, an exacerbation of the worst traits of, of human beings. That yeah. selfishness and greed becomes a sickness. Absolutely. And they want more and more and more and more. And they become further and further detached from any of their own humanity, if they ever had any. And certainly they have uh, nothing but disdain for the so-called humanity of ordinary people. They see them as a rabble who eventually are also a threat to them or very quickly seen as a threat. Because the more lies you tell and the more... Uh, greed and self-indulgence you engage in at the expense of other people, uh, and more criminality you, you engage in, the more paranoid you get about that eventually you're going to be exposed. Yeah. And the more of a threat you see the population because they're the ones who, you know, they're, they're basically the ones who, who, who maintain you in a certain sense in, in, in power. 
I mean, of course, you can rig elections and all that kind of stuff, and there's all sorts of revolving doors and, and, and shoe-ins into political positions where you don't need to be elected. But still, you derive, all those people derive their sense of power and control from the population. Mm -hmm. And so they have a, a need for them, but also contempt for them at the same time. And that's a bad mix. Yeah. You know? And it can lead to all sorts of horrible, egregious actions by government against the population that they justify. Well, they don't justify it at all. They justify it with all sorts of narratives, but fundamentally it's, it's their own self-interest and greed that they're serving. Everyone agrees. There's a lot of polarization, of course, these days, but everyone can agree that the world changed on 9-11. Mm -hmm. It's been said a thousand times, but, you know, or at least for Westerners, their world changed on 9-11 um, for the worse. Um, there are so many other threads that run through it. For example, the 2008 financial crisis. Would that have happened in the way it did if it had happened prior to 9-11? I don't think so. Remember what happened. It, it was egregious stuff going on. Banks too big to fail, protect the banks, fleece the American public, and elsewhere. The result, austerity across the Western world, almost totally. Um... The result, pushback, uh, big time, Occupy Wall Street movement. The result, crackdown and dissent. Um, I, I, I can't, I don't have anything to have, but I, I don't doubt that they would, uh, today, if we're happening today, Occupy Wall Street, they wouldn't care that I had mostly a leftist roots. They would be lumping it together with domestic extremism, as yeah. the DHS is doing with your more Trump yeah. freedom to the right protesters today. Um, well, the, the greed and the sickness, I mean, <clears throat> that would not have gone down the way it did if it had happened prior. But I think it's no, <clears throat> that's again, that's a truism. Well, duh, they happen sequentially. What are you trying to say? Yeah. Well, also, I don't think it may not have happened without 9 11 and spending trillions on wars, trillions that were wasted. I yeah. mean, remember the plane loads of cash being dropped off in Iraq and Afghanistan mm -hmm. to whoever? Mm -hmm. It was just. 80, and, and 80, was, 85 billion left in Afghanistan for the Taliban, right? 85 billion. I mean, is, people think that's 85 billion lost. It's not 85 billion lost. That's 85 billion dollars of taxpayers' money <clears throat> that went straight into defense contractors' pockets. Okay, it, it, it paid a lot of salaries of people working for con defense contractors at the same time, but still, it's not money lost. People keep thinking it's money lost. It's not money lost. Okay, what would they have done with it? Well, the only thing they lost was the equipment. What would they have done with the equipment? Killed a few more Afghanis? Is that a loss? That they're not able to do that? Um, yeah, so just on, on the pathology of people in, in, in positions of power, absolute power corrupts and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Um, this, is, this COVID business is like a, it's a, it's a gift to, to politicians because it allows them to, it's, it's, it's a crisis. Politicians love crisis because mm. what is a crisis? A crisis is a problem in society that requires the people to depend on government. For, for, for to solve the crisis, to do something about it, right? It's a job justification process. And, and there's thousands, millions of politicians and different functionaries across the board who are all very happy about COVID because it justifies their job. And they're not going to turn around and, and expose any lies about it or say, listen, this should all just go away because it's, it's overblown, it's not a big deal. And they're not going to complain about the, the loss of, of civil liberties or anything like that because at the end of the day, their jobs are secured as a result. And in many cases, they're getting more money and more recognition. And again, you get back to human nature and selfishness and self-interest. 
So nobody should be in any doubt or, or wonder why this this whole situation is continuing, why the COVID situation is is being dragged drag, is dragging on beyond all reason, and the fear and the hype is continuing beyond all reason. It's because the people pushing that hype and the fear have a vested interest in in maintaining it and keeping it going, and they're going to keep it going as far as long as they can. It's their nine eleven, their nine yeah. eleven cash cow yeah, to be milked. For sure. Yeah. So uh, it's, we're a bit of a pickle, and like we keep saying, the only thing that you can do in response to this, sure, you know, you can protest and, and join protests and that kind of stuff to try and push back a little bit and curtail the excesses and stuff. But the most important thing is that you understand that this is the way things are. This is the way that the world is. Uh, I think there's going to be, a, as a little crystal ball prediction, I think there's, there's a scandal brewing around vaccines and vaccinations, which are, you know, untested on large numbers of human beings ever uh, it's, a, it's experimental technology in that respect and they've rolled it out very quickly right in the middle of when there was a, a virus circulating it's a, not a good vaccine it, it doesn't kill or, or you know do away with the virus it's not strong enough it's not effective enough so it probably just produces mutations specifically the American vaccines yeah, yeah. the mRNA vaccines and uh, it, it very likely has a chance of uh, or has a good chance of inducing and has, probably has already induced mutations that uh, that could, that will keep the whole thing going, which is you know useful uh, for them, and also the vaccines themselves. I think, uh, in, in depending on the person, compromise uh, significantly can significantly compromise your immune system, which means means your leaves you open to getting reinfected, which we just talked about. So all these people, the vast majority of people, like seventy five percent in different places of the people who are in hospital with COVID are people who have been double vaccinated. So, and then they're rolling it out now for kids. Uh, are trying to roll out for kids. That's super dangerous. Uh, so there's, there, I think there's a big scandal brewing behind the scenes of effectively the amount of damage that vaccines, that these experimental vaccines, are doing to the population, and they're covering up. Uh, you know, the fog of used to be the fog of war. Now it's the fog of uh, the fog of health crisis or something. Uh, the fog of a health crisis. Um, the fog of pandemic. We can cover up a lot of those things and say that it was, well, it was COVID. It was an emergency. Yeah. We had to do something. Well, well that's, that's what they have to admit, admit it. But in the meantime, they're covering up a lot of the damage that the vaccines are actually doing to people by just saying that it was COVID did it. Right. Even oh, the Delta variant did it. Or the Delta variant did it. Or these vaccines aren't aren't strong and aren't good enough against this new variant, and therefore we need new vaccines. So, I mean, but that's not penal. I don't think it's going to last. The, the, the mountain of lies that, that they're building is just, it's going to collapse at some point and something has to come you think? out, I think. Yeah, I think so. Something well, hopefully has the population be. isn't so sick by that point that yeah. they just go, meh, well, what can yeah, I do? For sure. So anyway, that was our, our little brief uh, rundown on 9-11 to COVID. COVID-19 slash... <laughs> 11, 11. COVID-9-11. Um, and, you know, we think we're right. <laughs> we think it was pretty, pretty coherent. I think there's a coherent uh, chronology you can get, you can, you, you can see there. I mean, it's over 20 years, but um, the, the essence is the same. The nature of the beast, the nature of, of, of the people in positions of power who are, who are doing these things has, has, you know, continued on and increased... Uh, in terms of its pathology and its, uh, its, its desire for control and greed has, has incre- only increased over the 20 years until today. And like I said, the bottom line is that the commonality between the two is that both of these events forced people, manipulated people into giving up their liberties on the basis of a, a threat or fear. Yeah. And they gave them up for safety. 
Yeah. And whatever you want to ascribe that to, you have to say that it's not a good thing. You can you can argue about what the source of it is, like we were saying. But the bottom line is that's not a good thing for anybody to ever give up their liberties to the extent that they have done on the basis of uh, fear. And in this case, and in both cases, uh, uh, a threat that is overblown, exaggerated and not reflective of, you know, the reality of, of, of what's actually happening on the ground, you know. But people are just too, they're too programmable, they're too manipulatable, I think. They're too dependent on yeah. the government and the media. And as long as that lasts, then they'll be led down the garden path to to wherever, the, wherever probably not a, not a good place, you know. So uh, I think in the, in the meantime, the only thing to do is to... Keep calm and drink tea. And kill zombies. Kill if, zombies. If you see them, kill zombies. Yeah. Don't let them get to you first. Yeah. So, we'll leave it there for this week. Back next time. Thanks for our listeners, readers. What, what are they? Are they watchers, readers? What are they? Well, they're watchers. Thanks for our watchers and our um, for everyone who tuned in and for our chatters. I don't think we got any. We got a lot of comments, but... No, but there were multiple requests for uh, contact info, so you're probably going to be bombarded with new information. Contact info? Yeah, okay. like an email address. Or, or, or requests for our bank account numbers so they can give large donations, maybe? Uh, unfortunately, no. No? How do you know? Contact information can include... Well, maybe. Maybe details. they want to send you an email yeah, and say, I want to send sure. you 500 Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. 500 Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. Okay, we'll include that on the show blurb. Yeah, for sure. Way to contact us. So... Yeah, we'll be back next week. Thanks to everybody. Don't forget to smash all the buttons and, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and, yeah, we'll be back next week with uh, another show, another roundup of something, whatever happens between now and then. So until then, uh, yep, take calm, um, kill zombies, and... Arrest Fauci. See you next week, everyone. Thanks for See listening. See ya. Bye. Can't stop the signal now.